Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome, everyone, to uh, Years and Years, your spin-off from the National Treasures podcast, hosted by me, Will Duggan, and you... Laura Lex! Thank you for not picking up on Behosted. Um, <laughs> Gilly, we're recording this in the same room? We are, because we're both doing the same gigs today. So Will and I are in Shoreham right now, doing some children's comedy, and we just did show number one. Um, Will got called a knucklehead. And uh, someone said, excuse me, you've got a chubby head. And I, it's... I'd prefer to be called a cunt. <laughs> My favourite bit was, I do a bit where um, I, I I say to children that, because um, kids, when you start talking to them in comedy, like they put their hands up and I do a bit about like, why are you show me your armpit? I don't want to see that, like call out. And I put my hand up and this kid went, why are you showing me your middle? <laughs> <laughs> because I've outgrown my shirt. Oh, these kids, are... <laughs> one, one little girl. They were trying to get me to say the F word. Going, say the F word, say the F word. I was like, I'm not going to, obviously I'm not going to do that. I want to I work again. She went, why not? It's just fun. <laughs> she was the cutest looking little girl yeah, as well. She a little toy octopus that wins. Anyway, we're doing a years and years. Yes, we're sorry it's a bit late. Um, that is, uh, I left home on Friday thinking I would be away for one night. And um, then uh, an isolation attack hit my house and I couldn't go home. So I only got home at about two o'clock this morning. And then left to come and entertain the delightful children of Shoreham. So we apologise for the late running of this service. So it'll probably be out tomorrow or this evening. So my Well, mo- I'd hope you get out tonight because you're going to a wedding tomorrow and I don't trust you to complete... I'm going to... We- the wedding's on Saturday. Oh, is it? I've got to drive to Leeds. Oh, that's far. It's far, isn't it? Yeah. Um, just someone asked me yesterday, before we get into this, uh, someone asked me if I would uh, if I would host a run, a comedy night in Manchester. And I said, no, I'd... I live in Brighton. <laughs> That's so far away. You live in Manchester for ages. Long time. And nobody asked you to do it then. No, it's uh, it's my uncle. Uh, who oh, the be... co-op uncle. Yes, he's, he has a job interview on Monday to be a bar manager uh, at a pub. He said, "Would you do a comedy night?" I said, "I can't, Chris. It's too far away." But I will. You could book the act for him, though. No, because if it goes wrong, I'm 250 miles away to, yeah, by the beach. True. I said, "I can put you in touch with some comics that live in Manchester." Yeah, who's that one that does the nice one in South Manchester? Anyway, trapdoor. Tony Basnell. He's nice. Lovely bloke. He's one of the people that I'll put in touch with my uncle. Anyway, 
will keep you updated <laughs> on the running of this Manchester Comedy Night and your uncle's job interview. I will let you know. You should. Do you reckon he's going to get it? Well, he's very qualified for it. Um, he's very. He's been a manager before. He's worked in pubs for a long time, so I can't see why. Put he your would've... phone on silent, Will Duggan. It's never been. It's never off silent. Don't happen there. Uh, so I hope he does. Good luck, Chris. <laughs> yeah, good luck, Chris. Um, fifteen oh one was the year you gave me. Yeah. Um, I actually liked it. I quite liked it. I'm hoping it's going to be good odds. Um, that means good audio. Oh, does it? Because I didn't know that. <laughs> My it's first, up there with posted. I just made it. My up. first thought was ordnance survey. And I, thought, <laughs> well, I don't know how that fits. It's going to be a good map of history. Nice. Ah, what day of the week do you think it started on? Fifteen o Wednesday. No, fifteen o Friday. Fifteen o Friday started on a Friday, and I liked that because it's quite a party year. Of course, you fucking like it. You like it every day apart from like a Tuesday. <laughs> Um, there were lots of really cute things going on in this year. I had a good time. So we'll start with... Let's start with some births. Okay. Hey, for the first time, I didn't do any deaths. No deaths? I just felt like I was having a positive year. There was some cute stuff, there was some big stuff, and I just thought, hey, no one needs to be sad about dying. No one important died, did no they? No one died <laughs> in the year 1501. Tell you what, actually, there were a couple of deaths where I was like... This is verging on xenophobia, but I understand so little of the events surrounding this person. And the more research I do, it just led to more research, and I just went, oh, I can't. Yeah, I there just, we go, there it, we go. I was just feeling so positive. Really? No, it's just too much work, man. No, it wasn't that it was too much work, but it was like, it was the sort of thing where if it had been like the Duke Bobhead of Normandy, and it had related to Ashencore or something I'd heard of, I would have understood a bit more around it. But it was people like... Japanese emperors that linked into wars over there where yeah. I was like if I was more familiar with some of these wars I'd understand the scale of who this bloke was that's not xenophobia though is it that's just a gap in your knowledge like, like isn't it um yeah but the gap in my knowledge is everything that isn't British but isn't India like, I'm, I, I wouldn't be wrong on this I think in India they have like um like clothes with Hitler on and stuff because it didn't it didn't affect the people of in that world war didn't really so to them it's like like a, you see people here with this uh uh, image of Che Guevara yeah. or something because you don't really get what happened and it's just so they just do it as like a thing from history and oh, so I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure it's India if not let us know hey yeah you send Will an email he loves them um so more people have been emailing from I know it's really nice I like it um oh here's one that I think you'll really like our first little event um the first book of polyphonic music to be printed using movable type was created that's interesting yeah you love music don't we all um, I love it too yeah um what does polyphonic mean <laughs> M- uh, poly many yes. phonic noise so so two notes at the same time yeah so do you remember polyphonic ringtones when they came out like I got yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay so it'd be more than so I imagine. I mean, I could be wrong. Uh, if the first book of polyphonic music was printed... you Using movable type. I don't know if it was therefore the first polyphonic book of music or just the first one to be printed with movable type. Yeah, so what it'll be is two staves, you know, different notes going on, okay. printed on like a printing press rather than whatever Can you do would... polyphonic music with your mouth? Or is that... Uh, I, me personally or in general? In general. Yeah, don't those The throat singers... Oh, oh, that's polyphonic, is it? Yeah, like harmony would be polyphonic. Yeah, but you can't harmonise with yourself. No, I think I think some people can. It's not like they don't sound incredible. It sounds weird, but I think it's doable. 
You could harmonise with like a fart and then you'd be harmonising with yourself. You could, you could, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to argue it. I'm not going to endorse Accurate. it. So that was called the Harmonies Musicis Odd Hecaton. Sometimes it's just called the Odd Hecaton. I don't think Hecaton. it was called that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's the thing. Musicis Odysseys Odd Hecaton. <laughs> Are we definite though? Um, see, it was Italian. What's an Italian accent? Ah, Scucci. That's Italian, isn't it? That sort of thing. Now that's xenophobic. <laughs> not knowing Japanese emperors, not not xenophobic. Uh, sorry, Italy. Mi <laughs> dispiace. That's I'm sorry. In you, yeah, you do Italian on your Duolingo. I do. Say harmonies musicis od hecaton. Nope. Why? <laughs> because I want to be the nice one in this episode that isn't being, and not even xenophobic, borderline racist. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, it was printed in Venice. See, Venetia. Venetian. Um, where they invented blinds and glass. Okay. Okay. Um, Martin Luther started university. Well done. Fresher. Martin Luther was a fresher in 1501. I love, I, I love it. I love yeah. it. You, your brother texted me uh, the other day. You know, like, I don't like people being in the wrong like yeah. era. Joan Baez went out with Steve Jobs for a bit. She went, isn't that, isn't that mad? She's banged Dylan and Jobs. Oh, yeah. What's her taste? Uh, rich. Yeah, I suppose Dylan is rich, isn't he? Um, yes. So Martin Luther, he did media studies at the University of... Uh, <laughs> which I thought was a funny name. I think it is. And I love how you've just said he did media studies. <laughs> and it's so, so straight-faced. If I hadn't picked it up, you'd have just left that. Yeah. <laughs> just a little just a little gag. Theology? Um, I don't know. Well, you could only do like four things back then, couldn't you? Media studies, sociology, <laughs> sports science, <laughs> chemistry. Stand-up comedy? What about that? As a... um, so I thought that was Gestering. fun. Majored in <laughs> gestering. <laughs> Majored in court japes. Um, uh, Captain Pedro Alvarez Cabral Oh yeah Great name Um, He is the guy who discovered In inverted commas Brazil Although I've written Braille here Which is quite different Um, And claimed it for Portugal Um, He set sail to return to Portugal Do you want to know a fun fact about him? Of course He was the first captain to land on And the website I was looking at for this Said all four continents but there's more than four continents. There are. Yeah, so... There's seven, aren't there? I thought that, so <laughs> I changed it to just on four continents. Shall we name them? So, Africa. Yeah. Europe. Yeah. Asia. Yeah. South America. Yeah. North America. Yeah. Antarctica. Yeah. Last one. Australasia. Correct. Very good. Yeah. But maybe they only knew about four back then, so was it the four continents that people knew of back then? Um, in f- 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Mm-hmm. There was the Nina. So they, they, they discovered the Americas, hadn't they, by then? Like, the Western world had discovered the Americas. Yeah. We discovered Africa. Have we discovered Australasia? Maybe we're only aware of four continents. Like mm. we, we, we knew of Europe. We knew of Africa. Asia. And maybe just America was just all one, yeah. we thought of like, it. Had we reached the South Pole by then? Don't think so. Like I, I can see quite easily there not being the South Pole, Australasia, and the Americas separated. Yeah. Maybe there were just four continents. Yeah. That people were aware of. Well, anyway, he was the first captain to land on four continents. Well done, lad. Um, legend. Um. Ooh, 
italics was invented. That's pretty cool. That's a cute one, isn't that's it? That's a good one. And that's what I liked about this year. There was cutesy stuff going on. So, the so f- had no one written just on a slant before that? <laughs> well, they had by hand, but they hadn't done it with typeface. Okay. So, um, yeah, it was called italic type um, because it was used... So, yeah, calligraphy was a hand-style writing, and that was on a slant. And Was it, it was a what, sorry? Hand-style writing? <laughs> Handwriting style. Nice. <laughs> I think I do that a lot. I say words in the wrong order because my brain works quicker than my mouth. So my mouth has. Your to... brain works quicker than this. Yeah, it's exhausting being me. So you just sometimes the words don't all come out properly because my brain's already doing the next one. For sure. Um. Is that your tummy? It's a pipe above <laughs> us. Is it? It's not my stomach. It sounds like gushing air. If that's my tummy, I'm dead. Is that your stomach? No! No one's stomach has ever sounded like that. Is that your foot? No, it's the door. It sounded like it was coming from you. It's coming from above us. It sounded like a hot air balloon for a while. Can you imagine if I just, if I just inflated like... Was it, Veruca Salt or Violet Beauregard? Which one's... Violet Beauregard. Veruca Salt was the golden egg one. Yeah. Which one's... Put weight on Laura, but not like that. When I was at school, we did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory as a school play. Oh, yeah. And um, Violet Beauregard was played by twins, so that one of them left and then immediately came back on, really inflated and purple. That's very good. It was really cool. I was going to say, one of them was really fat, though. (laughs) No. Ruth and Hilary Bowler. Best of luck. I haven't thought about them in a long time. Um, do you know what part I played? Um, Mike TV. No. Oompa Loompa. No. Charlie. No. Grandpa Joe. No. Willy Wonka. Yes. No way. I did. I played Willy Wonka. Can you give us some of your lines? Oh, I can't remember. I was 11. Um, get that boy out of my river. <laughs> Cockney, was he? <laughs> oi, oi, son. Want to win a fucking chocolate factory, do you, you mug? <laughs> well, a factory. It would have been somewhere industrial. <laughs> Oi, oi, here he comes, fucking golden ticket winners. <laughs> roll up, roll up, don't mind the umpa lumpers, free bear to bend. Wonka bars, lovely. Well, well, so I was in Somerset, so it could have been Bristol, that would have been our name. Hello there, do you want to come right. in and see some chocolate? Do you want some of my lovely gummy chocolates? Oh, you've got to stop, you've got to stop watching TV, Mike, it's really bad for your eyes. <laughs> Bristol would be a good location for it, because he uses the umpa lumpers as slaves, and Bristol was a real slave hub. It was a real slave hub, yeah, um, but he doesn't, they're not slaves, are they? They're refugees. Well, that's what he says. Yeah. (laughs) But they also back it up. (laughs) Yeah, okay, fine. Um, They're scared of the wangdoodles. I wore my dad's dressing gown as my Willy Wonka costume. Cool. He had one of those, like, Chinese silk dressing gowns. Like a kimono thing. Yeah, I don't know why he had that. I've met your dad. I can't imagine him in a kimono. What were we talking about? Italics. Oh, yeah. Somehow. Great. Yeah, italics. So, um, yeah, so they made this type. It was Aldous Manutius. Mm-hmm. Great name. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a Harry Potter character. It was in his press, and um, they made it to, not for, like, emphasis, but to make more casual-looking books that looked like they were handwritten. That's nice. Um, so that's why it's called italics, was because those books tended to be in the more colloquial Italian language um, and the first one it was used for was an edition of Virgil the okay. Roman poet 
Greek? Greek poet. Um, and then there was like a falling out with his typecutter, Francesco Griffo, who said, I invented it. And Aldous Minutius was like, no, you work for me. And mm. we did it. Fun. Like an Oompa Loompa and Willy Wonka. Full yes. circle, smashed it. Woo! Great work. Um, oh, and then my other mini event was Michelangelo got the contract to make David. Wonderful. Great yeah. work, Michelangelo. Yeah. He was only 26. It's amazing, David. It's really good. What? Why? Why? Yeah. Um, well, for a start, he looks terrified. Like, he's not, like, he, he's, he's a hero, obviously, in the story, but he's, 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 like a, he's, he's like a little boy, isn't he, in the story? And the way he's looking over, he looks really scared. And the veins in his hands are, like, up, and there's a big vein in his neck. And then, like, it's so beautiful and detailed. And it's also, there's a thing, um, it looks normal, because it's really tall. Yeah, it's like, it weighs five tonnes. Yeah, it's, it's a lot taller than you think it's going to be. And it's done in a way that if you sort of were able to look at it straight on, it, cave, it curves either in or out a little bit. Because Michelangelo was um, sort of correcting the, the the curve on the way you see it, so it looks like it's a proper human figure because it's so tall. It's like curved. It's doing optical illusion on your eyes, so uh, it looks fun. better. Also, there's a thing. Like, I should have researched this. Well, I couldn't. How could I? Well, you didn't. You didn't um, know it's going to happen. <laughs> there's something that's. It's to do with his neck vein, but it's endemic of like an illness that. We, this guy would have had like it's just so good oh. and his willy's out <laughs> and his schnoz and his schnoz is out his schnoz is hanging out yeah weighs well, five tons and was carved from a single block of marble mm. yeah fun do you know what Michelangelo once said about he did a he carved a horse from some marble and uh, someone said how do you do that how do you do it so and he says well I look at the marble and then I just see the horse and I just get rid of everything that isn't the horse <laughs> <laughs> That is like, I think, if I was ever on a TV show where, you, you know, you have to do skills that you're going to be rubbish at for comic effect, it would be to make a 3D object out of something. I've got no <laughs> sense of, like, if you gave me a block of Play-Doh and said, make a horse, you would get the same result out of me and a three-year-old. I made a clay horse for my uh, first Edinburgh show. Why? Uh, because the show was about, um, I released everything that wasn't the horse. It was the... Aren't you just adorably intellectual? Yeah, super smart, super <laughs> handsome. Nice willy. Lovely schnoz. Um, so those are my mini events. I've got two births. The first one, I just, I don't know why. This just, I was quite tired and emotional when I did this research and this made me well up a bit, but now I'm rereading it. I don't really understand why it did. Um, a guy called Leonard Fuchs. Yep. F-U-C-H-S. Yeah. You can say it. It's just Fuchs. Um, <laughs> he's born in 1501. He was a physician and botanist and wrote a book called The Notable Histories on the Histories of Plants. The Notable Histories on the Histories of Plants? <laughs> I think I must have written what, that wrong. You definitely that's what it was called? Notable Stories on the History of Plants? I don't plants, know. Maybe. <laughs> anyway. I only heard this guy existed about five seconds ago. <laughs> So anyway, he made a big book and it had like over 500 drawings of plants in real detail and the fuchsia is named after him. Lovely. I knew a girl called Fuchsia. Fuchsia Wilkins. Hmm. Her dad was a magician. Where did you know her? Uh, my dad used to work with her mum. 
Not her dad. Oh. My dad was the rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were the first vegetarians I ever met in my life. Blew my mind. Oh, the Wilkins. The Wilkins. They didn't live in a windmill, but in my head they always do. <laughs> they live in like Did a... he use animals in his magic act? I don't remember. I've not seen her for about 25 years. Did you ever watch his magic act? Uh, I think he did tricks for us, like in the house. Was he a child magician or an adult magician? No, he's a dad. He's an adult, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but was he like bits of cloth coming out of a hat or was he... No, he was a magician like a... Like a Darren Brown magician? Yeah. I don't think he was that good. I mean, I mean by, by which I mean as good as Darren Brown. I'm sure he was Who very... is? I'm sure he was very good, um, but uh, wonder yeah. if he's still a magician. I wonder. Well, I sometimes, I sometimes wonder what she's up to. Old Fuchsia Wilkins. Maybe she listen to this. Hey, Fuchsia Wilkins, you have your name because of Leonard Fuchs. Yeah, Maybe yeah. that's how you say it then. Fuchs. No, I think it's fucks. <laughs> Is it a fucksha then? Well, no. You can say it. It's just fucksha. Um, they're nice flowers, fuchsias. Yeah, I like them. I always, I always think of it when I see a fuchsia. We were about four years old and five years old, and we said. That's why I think she lives in a windmill. So let's get married and live in a windmill. But it didn't work out. It didn't work. She doesn't. She didn't want to. It's been to. 30 years. I always oh used, we used God. to make fuchsias into little earrings. My ears aren't pierced. Mine are twice in each one. My nipple was pierced once. Hey, a really good birth. Your nipple was pierced. Yeah. Which one? My left nipple. Who were you trying to impress? Uh, I was drunk in Ibiza when I was 18. So everyone. Yeah, just everyone <laughs> constantly. Will someone fucking validate me? <laughs> Uh, Took out when I was 25. You're very funny that you, you range from, here's my first show which references Michelangelo yeah. and his horse, and also I've had my nipples pierced. You have to love me for one of these reasons. Yeah, and yet... Everybody does. When am I going to be on QI then? Oh, never, but you're on this and this is better. No, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. Of course it's not. Hey, you're not going to think that after this next birth. It's better than Celebrity Juice. <laughs> Do you know who was born in 1501? Yes. Who? Um, Man. Yes, and only bloody Anne Bolin. The inventor of the bowling ball? No. <laughs> Anne Boleyn. Anne Boleyn. Is she the second wife? She was the second wife of Henry VIII. Catherine of Aragon, Anne Boleyn, Jane Seymour, uh, Catherine Howard? Yes. No. Anne of Cleves? Yes. Catherine Howard, yes. Catherine Parr. Yes. Are you thinking of Six the Musical? Nope. Uh, you can remember the first three quite easily because Catherine of A. Rigan and B. Lynn, Jane Seymour, ABC. Nice. Catherine Parr's last. Yep. And then Anna Cleves and Howard. <laughs> Take your chances. <laughs> the Flanders Mare. So, yeah, she was born in this year. She was born in Norfolk. Was she? Yes. Um, but she grew up in Kent. Did she? Hever Castle. You've probably heard I've of it. I've been to Hever yeah, Castle. Yeah, it's did very a, nice. Did a gig there last summer. Um, yeah, me too. Mark Macon. Mark Watson. Ah, very nice. Yeah, so she grew up in Hever Castle in Kent. Um, I'm not going to go into her adult detail because I feel like we might cover that in another episode. Beheaded. Well, don't do spoilers. What if we do this later? Um, her her father was Thomas Bullen. Um, what I why, why are you saying it weird? 
well because I did a load of research about her because I was like, oh, I wonder what facts I can find about her early life because we all know she turned up and was a temptress. Blah, blah, women are awful. But I was like, what? Yes, they are. They're dreadful. <laughs> um, see, you do well on Celebrity Juice. Yeah, so she was born in Norfolk, grew up in Kent. Her father was Thomas Bullen. Bullen. It's spelt differently everywhere sure. they do it, basically. Um, yes. And um, th- uh, she spent much of her childhood abroad, Okay. So they might have pronounced it differently. And she, she spells it like B-O-L-L-I-N on a few things. And in lots of famous paintings of her, she's actually Anna Bolina. Um, so, and they just went with it. Nobody cared. Her father, Thomas, was a real trusted advisor of Henry VII. Great. So he was like a, an emissary for him. Is that the right word? Like would go abroad and yeah. sort out missions and deals sure, and sure, stuff sure. like that. Um, and he was traveling abroad so much and so well thought of that Margaret of Austria invited Anne to join her court. Great. So Anne actually spent a lot of her childhood in what is now Belgium. Um, So she was super well educated. Uh, For the time or in general? I mean, she wouldn't have known about computers. Yeah, she would have failed her SATs, but that's because most of the history was in SATs. Aren't you? Your sons are there to, uh, they're not there for you, they're there for the school. If you underperform, you can't fail. There's so much sadness behind this. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Can't fail. I didn't fail. I did really well on SATs. Yeah, I smashed them both times. In my year two SATs, I got what you're supposed to get when you leave school. What, in year 11? <laughs> no, in year six. Primary school. Oh, right, okay. How's that worked out for you? Yeah, so I'm here in the same place as you. I smashed my SATs. Of course you did. You nearly went to Cambridge. We all know. No, um, <laughs> I didn't nearly go to Cambridge. I auditioned to go to... Interviewed. <laughs> That might be what the problem was, that you turned up in all black doing your... I'll tell you what the problem was. When they asked me... <laughs> Why are you 
you sanitizing your hands to tell me this story? The germs? I'll tell you what. Did you bring this hand sanitizer? No, it's there's, it's there's. Um, I'll tell you what happened. Because <laughs> of the type of table we're sat at, you really look like this is lube and you're about to go and give a little sperm sample. I can if you want. Be interested in <laughs> Don't it. Don't do it with hand sanitizer. That would be stingy. Um, I did my need to like a written exam. Do you think hand sanitizer kills spunk? I don't know. Is is antibacterial? Is antibacterial? Sperm bacteria? No. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Um, I'm trying to tell you about Cambridge University. Yeah, please do. So I had to get through a written exam. I think I did all right on that. Why are you sanitising again? I don't again? know. I'm panicking. Um, I think I did all right on that. Like, um, I knew the answer to the questions they asked. I was quite good at writing. And then you had to go to like one of the Don's offices and have a chat with them. And they asked me the last book I'd read. I just forgot every single book I'd ever read. <laughs> I said Adrian Mole. (laughs) (laughs) And I had a teacher (laughs) at my school. Did you at least say you read it ironically? No! (laughs) It's like, um, last book I read is probably The Secret Diary of Adrian Mole. And I I had a teacher, Dr. Weavis, who had a PhD in English literature, romantic poetry. He's like, listen, they're going to really want to know what you've read. Just read these are impressive books. And he lent me some copies of a lovely bloke. I'd read them all. I read Anna fucking Karenina, which is dog shit. <laughs> Fuck all that. <clears throat> and also, so you had to do the written bit, the interview, and I was feeling bad anyway. Had the interviewer read Adrian Moore? Did they ask you any follow-up questions? Yeah, I was like, so, so I've read more, but sometimes you want to read a pleasure, don't you, you know? And he's like, no, this is fucking game <laughs> Then you had to go and do a seminar, right? And they, they'd given us two poems. One was this Wordsworth poem. And one was The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner by Coleridge. Uh, yeah. And, to, and then they didn't tell you which one you'd be talking about, so you had to just do them both. And we got there, unfortunately, that we had talked about the one that I'd done less work on. And he said, and you, you may, I just do some fun about this. It was the Wordsworth one. And he went, from reading this poem, do you think that Wordsworth wanted to go back to this place? Now, I knew the answer. The answer that he wanted, I should have given, was, it doesn't matter. Wordsworth is the epitome of romantic poetry, Romantic poetry is all about the self. He's using the place as a conduit to get his emotions across. Whilst he may have enjoyed it, he has no strong feelings either way. It's the feelings he wants to revisit, not the place. Great answer. Probably got a scholarship for that. But when he said, "Does will Wordsworth go back? What I said was, no, haven't you heard? He's dead. <laughs> so you wanted to be funny more than I, no, you I, wanted to I, go I, to Cambridge. I think I just panicked. You're quite good under pressure, aren't you? I was 17, though. Uh, I wore a suit. Didn't even have your nipple pierced yet. No, I didn't. Um, I I mean, I, uh, I went in a suit. I went from a, like a... My school was nice enough. I would have thought everybody wore suits. No, because they were all... Because it was King's College, like the flagship. I didn't know about my... I should have applied to a little one. But they're all just... They all come from Eton and Harrow and... You know, there's that languid confidence that money gives yeah. you. Yeah. And I'm there and really like a next... The next suit with a tie that's not too big. And I'm like... And that's why I have a bloody coffee. Anyway, I enjoyed I'd have let you in. Thank you. But I think if you were on the admissions panel for King's College, Cambridge, standards would have slipped. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kent University was also good. We're going Borgias. The Borgias? Yes. Oof, Lucretia. No, we're going Cesare. Cesare Borgia. Slash Caesar. Oh, sorry. Not really sure. This is the illegitimate son of a pope. Yeah, man. Um, I think it was Pope Alexander the something or other, one of the Borgia popes. Yeah. The most corrupt pope ever in history. 
He returns in uh, 1501 and is crowned the Duke of Romagna. Romania. Mm, I don't know. Uh, so, Caesar Borgia is the only person to ever resign a cardinalship. Wow. Yeah, and he resigned it because he wanted to be a military leader, and then he was a great military guy, mainly because his dad, the Pope, was pulling all the strings for him. Wonderful news. Yeah. He's referenced several times in The Prince. Machiavelli? Yeah. Wow. As a as a guide to how to be a real good prince, because of how sneaky sneaksty he was. Sneaky, 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 he was a sneaky sneakster. So yeah, he's the illegitimate son of the Pope and a mistress. He does loads of conquering, and etc, etc. He comes back in 1501, he's crowned a duke, everything's going well, and they have the Banquet of Chestnuts. Delicious. Do you know, have you heard of the Banquet of Chestnuts? Nope. This rang vague bells for me. Um... Are they roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at their nose? No, they're more stuck between two titties. Um, I love titties. <laughs> yeah, and chestnuts. Actually, I think chestnuts are disgusting. But I think chestnuts are fine. I think tits are banging. Yeah, imagine tits covered in chestnuts. That's what's happening at the banquet of chestnuts. So it's the night before Halloween in 1501 in October, yeah. and there's this big... Feast is happening right at the Pope's palace, and it's thrown by Caesar and his dad. I think Alexander the Sixth. Why didn't I write this down? I've made such weird notes. Get to the tits. So, (laughs) so they have this massive feast, and this night has like gone down in history of being the epitome of everything that was wrong with the Borgia Pope. Okay. Um, So. There's this guy called Johannes Bouchard. He was the master of ceremonies at the Vatican at this point, um, or the Papal Palace. And so he had to go to every event that these Borgias had, and he hated them. But did he really? Yeah, he was a real anti-Borgia. So <coughs> this is his uh, take on, um, on what happened. After supper, the lighted candelabra, which had been on the table, were placed on the floor, and chestnuts thrown among them thrown among them which the prostitutes had to pick up as they crawled between the candles the pope the duke and lucrezia his sister were present looking on at the end they displayed prizes of silk mantles boots and other objects were promised to whomsoever should have made love to these prostitutes the greatest number of times the prizes were distributed to the winners according to the judgment of those present and it sounds great it does sound great it's widely refuted that this is what happened um but it's quite funny, like, when you read it. But So this guy absolutely was just like, these guys are disgusting. They're having full orgies. Um, it was said that there were 50 courtesans and 50 prostitutes at this orgy. And basically what they did was they scattered the chestnuts on the floor and the prostitutes had to crawl around and pick them up. And then it was kind of like soggy biscuit, but with people. Whichever cardinal lasted the longest with the chestnut gatherers um, won a prize. I mean, here's the thing. It's definitely going to have been terrible. These poor women will have had a terrible time. But if you could find the people who are up for it, that's a great night. If this is a consenting night, lovely. What a, what a lovely time. You've got protein, you've got wonderful sex, good lighting, you'd imagine. Well, it's the... Imagine that, just having a nice little... Well, I mean, listen, I, I'm sure it was awful, but I can't really... 
open my brain to how awful it would have been. So in my head, it's a laugh riot. Yeah. What's funny, though, is that even the people refuting it, so the Catholic Church have done quite a lot to refute this. Like, they pay people a lot to come up with other evidence. But the best they can do is go... Don't be disgusting. They weren't throwing chestnuts on the floor. It was just normal prostitution and courtesans. Like, they can't really argue that it was an orgy. They just go like, we weren't putting food on the floor. Get real. Also, I think that's so weird. We weren't. No, no, you weren't. Yeah. <laughs> but they were back in the day. I also think it's it's weird. Like, if you're going to have lots of group sex with, you know, in, in the Vatican, why do the chestnut bit? It just feels like you'd be treading on chestnuts all the time. I think, you you know, I mean, look, let's not get into a conversation about group sex on this. But who's the first one to bring that up in the meeting? Like, if you're on the planning committee for this party and you've got to host a party for a guy that's got the entire wealth of the world at his fingertips, what hasn't right, he done so yet? so we need a load of sex workers, uh, some food, and hear me out, oh God, not again, Julio. <laughs> chestnuts. <laughs> Just get loads of chestnuts. Because, like... They've got their chest out, and I'm going to use my nuts. Chest nuts. <laughs> imagine if this party was when you found out you had a nut allergy. Oh my god! Imagine that. How did he die at an orgy <laughs> in the Vatican? We've we've narrowed it down to two things. He's either allergic to chestnuts or vagina. It's one or the other. Or both. <laughs> Well, there we go. That's perfect the, storm of allergies. That's wild. Yeah, so that happened in 1501. Um, now, the big finish, it's enormous. That's not the big finish. No. The, well, I, it might be, you might have preferred that story, but for me, a history lover and um, a big what ifer, the next event. Is that Lucifer's brother? <laughs> I like that. Um, or Potiphar. I also like that this tied in to the birth of Anne Boleyn being this year, mm. because in 1501 is the marriage of Catherine of Aragon and Prince Arthur. Uh, that is Henry VIII's older brother. Yes. Yeah. The should have been king. It should have been me. Should have, would have, could have, means I'm out of time. Um, yes. That's Shakira. No, Beverly Knight. And change your mind. And, and I, I wonder... wonder. What what I'm gonna, gonna do. do Shoulda, woulda, coulda Are the last words of a boo Do you song I like? Dun, 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 dun. Under the lover's sky Gonna be with you Leanne Rhymes John Goodman's in that film Good film mm, Bad film It's not bad film. It is a sexy film. They're very wet a lot. Oh, boy. Imagine doing the risk assessments for that bar. Dun, dun. Dun, dun. Go on. King Arthur, Prince Arthur. Prince Arthur marries Catherine of Aragon. Welcome. Catherine of Aragon, she lands in Plymouth on the 2nd of October, 1501. Uh She's late. She was meant to turn up two months ago in Southampton. But she's the bride. It's her prerogative. No, really, there were storms and stuff happened and she had to land at the different port. So she lands in Plymouth. They hurry her up to London ASAP. Um, They get her up to London. And now, this wedding was unusual because it was a really big public ceremony. And royal weddings weren't often Mm -hmm. back then. But Henry VII was basically on a one-man mission to make it seem like the Tudors were the predestined family of England. Because if you think you're just coming off the Wars of the Roses, so you've had loads of struggle, and Henry Tudor's kind of stepped in and taken the throne, and then his whole reign is basically going about solidifying, we're the family, we're the royal family, there's no way of arguing with it. Didn't Henry, Henry VIII, obviously his son, 
he's the one that introduced the Divine Right of Kings, isn't he? Is he? I think so. Interesting. Yeah. So um, they they went all out on this wedding um, to the tune of like big street performers having like big sideshows, putting up big murals with all of the engravings. And apparently on, I think it was the west door of... Um, St. Paul's Cathedral, there was an endless fountain of wine for the public to sort of ingratiate the London public to the idea of the wedding. Jesus, the amount of people that would definitely have pissed in that. Yeah, but the wine was probably half pissed anyway. Everything was pissed back then. Um, <laughs> they got married. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> Everything was pissed back then. They got married in St. Paul's Cathedral, um, which had been specially redesigned for the wedding. So they'd gone through all the gargoyles and all of the like engravings and put in the Tudor rose and put in the symbols of the family and stuff like that. Just, again, to solidify, oh, we've always been the king. This is pre-Christopher Wren, isn't it? Because he... Yes. Yeah, so is it like a, a previous incarnation of St. Paul's Cathedral then? Is it pre-Christopher Wren? Yeah. Yeah, because Christopher yeah. Wren, because he was in big trouble. Great because, Fire of London. Yeah, he did a dome, uh, which people worried about because they say dome means Rome. And we'd mm. split, which is Henry VIII. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm sure it definitely is. Oh, there's been a church St. on the site for, for ages and ages. Yeah, okay. It's, it's just so not, it's... When you think of it, it's not that St. Paul's Cathedral. But think about that one if it makes it easier, if you don't have uh, an imaginary brain like me. Um, yeah, so they'd, um, they'd reworked the cathedral and they had like this raised platform for them to come in so that everybody could see them. <coughs> and they both wore white satin. Nice in white satin. Do, 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 do. Um, they were both 15. <laughs> So as weddings go that we've covered in this podcast, this feels good, this feels healthy. Um, they met for the first time 10 days before their wedding. Oh, yeah. Um, but they had been betrothed since childhood. But from what I was reading, she was very well educated and so was he. They had pretty good expectations of royal life. It didn't feel like a wedding where it was like, oh, you're six, go to this other country. Like she'd been preparing her whole life for this. So as un problematic as I think that can be. Yeah, you know what? 15-year-olds want to marry each other. Fine by me. Yeah. So they get married. It's a wonderful day. Everybody's happy. But this is why I saved it for the big finish because the aftermath of this wedding obviously shapes the rest of British history. Yeah. Because they, they get married. They make their way to Ludlow Castle, which is where they're going to be living. So Shropshire, I think this was. Um, Shropshire? Yes. Uh, and they're the Prince and Princess of Wales. Wonderful. That's never been a problem for anybody in history. Um, so they they reckon they probably arrived at Ludlow Castle around mid-December, 1501. And it looks like they were both happy. Like, there's a letter, I think, that Arthur wrote to her parents to say, thanks for sending her, she's pretty. Yeah, nice one, cheers. I'm happy. Thanks for the child bride, love. <laughs> um, yeah, so they arrive around 1501. Um and all seems well. But in terms of the future of England, the next five months are massive because Arthur is dead by Easter 1502. How'd he die? He gets ill. Oh, Arthur. Yeah, I don't think it's anything untowards or a hunting accident. I think he just gets ill and dies. Um, probably some sort of fever. The sweating sickness. That came up in Hamlet a lot. Read that. Janet Duggan recommended it. I enjoyed it. That's my mum. John, if you're listening, no, your dad's not a patron, though, is he? He only likes the main flavour. Anyway. Um, my, my parents have given me enough money over the years. <laughs> so Catherine's a widow at 15, 16. And then obviously we know that later on she goes on to marry Arthur's younger brother, Henry. 
But when Henry wants to annul the marriage to marry Anne Boleyn, just been born at this point, mm. the reason he gives for the wedding being unlawful is that he's married his brother's widow. Sure. But Catherine says forever, I never had sex with Arthur. We never consummated that wedding. So that wedding wasn't legit. Why wouldn't you consummate it? Exactly. Well, that's the big question. So she, like, is a devout Catholic, like, wouldn't have lied about this sort of thing. Um, But she claims for her entire life that she never consummated the wedding with Arthur, like, even after Henry's divorced her and moved on. Um, But what did him... It's a pipe. Uh, I know it's a fucking pipe. (laughs) Um, Arthur was very strenuously said they'd consummated the wedding um and so hang on she was saying that while he was still alive uh no afterwards so but arthur's been like oh just so you all know i've banged my wife well he comes out apparently after the wedding night and says to his uh, servant anthony willoughby willoughby bring me a cup of ale for i have been this night in the midst of spain he's sexed up he's been in i understand Spain, his wife, Spanish wife. Oh, she's Spanish, was she? Catherine of Aragon. I don't know where Aragon is. Spain. There you go. There you go. And then he said to his other servants, Masters, it is good pastime to have a wife. That's a 15-year-old having got his end away. (laughs) Lads, do you know what's fun? (laughs) Bonin. Yeah. But interestingly, I was reading a book... um, by Miranda Kaufman called Black Tudors about um, black people in Tudor England and how racism based on skin colour didn't really exist as much back then. It was much more class and stuff. Mm. And England had no slavery. It was like illegal to have slaves in England um, then. So lots of black people would try and get refuge in England from Spain where slavery was rife. Um, And um, I think there was a chapter in there about her having a black chambermaid who gave evidence at the divorce proceedings, the yep. trial, to support her um, in her claims that they'd never consummated the marriage. Oh, I wouldn't want to have sex with a chambermaid just watching me. No. Maybe I would. Do but there were several servants on the man's side that said, like, no, we would take Arthur to her bedroom at night and then pick him up in the morning. Like, they banged. Mm. Well, Catherine, if you're listening, uh, be you are. Yeah, so there you go. You've and if got you are listening, if you are listening, Catherine Morrigan, get in touch because that would be a hell of a coup. <laughs> we've got italics. We've got polyphonic music. We've got Anne Boleyn's born. We've got the first marriage of the wife she takes over from's happening. We've got chestnut titties. We've got fuchsias. We've got Michelangelo's David. We've got Brazil. Martin Luther. There's, it was a banging year. I had a good time. Speaking of years, before we get in that, should we see what Ron said about the last episode, Not a fan. Go fuck yourself, Ron. (laughs) (laughs) 
Ah, oh, I mean, you I made, didn't like it either. You did. He's it, not judging you. He's judging the year. See, I made Ron a roast pork last week. Yeah, he's not judging you, babe. Right, Ron, you can stay. Uh, good year though this year. Yeah, I liked it. Um, I want you to do the year five hundred. Fuck. Oh. Just a round number, 500. Bang it in. Let's let's do 500. I like the three-digit ones. Okay. They've always got people like Sigur, Ross Beardy Nurse. And Sigur Ross? That's the first thing you went to, <laughs> was it? Sigur Ross? He was born in the year 500. Who is Sigur Ross, the person? A musician? It's a band. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, well, I vaguely knew. Great. I can't wait to do that. Uh, thank you for a lovely year in 1501. Thank you less for uh, the year 500. Mm. It's going to be all the council of this happened and it's going to be another rubbish one and I know you're doing this on purpose. I'm not doing it on purpose but I just think that that will be fun. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say goodbye to the listener but you and I are probably going to get some lunch. Yeah, we're going to go and get some lunch. Um, Thank you so much for being patrons. We love you so much and... We are two weeks off the first release of the main feed and we're so grateful to you for your patience and your Patreon support while we've been getting Series 2 ready. I know the gap's been amazingly long and one day we'll get very drunk with you and tell you what's been going on behind the scenes, but we've been through hell trying to get this podcast back. And it's all done. So so this episode's actually going to go out, um, well, this evening, actually, once I've done this in the edit. Yeah, 5th of August. And then next week, we're going to pop this onto the main feed for people to have a little listen to. Yeah. Um... And then, and then we'll the eighteenth of August will be episode one, Wixdeep Park with James A. Caster. Yeah, we're so grateful to you for bearing with us. Yeah, thank you. You've made what has been an absolute <laughs> fucking nightmare bearable. Um, I mean, if I have to give any advice to anyone, just don't get involved in anyone business-wise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stop the recording now, so he can't say it any more than he's meant to. We love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.